Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, that what we have seen this morning happened in real time, that you came to us when we did not deserve it. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you increase in this place? Would you be worshipped in this place? Would the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you? We look to you as weak people to feed us and to speak to us and to make us yours. In your name, amen. This morning can feel and is really orchestrated to feel something like emotional whiplash. It's jubilant, the height of jubilance, and then we descend into horror. So how did this happen? What happened? This morning's story of the palms is about a crowd of people welcoming the God of salvation. And it's also about a crowd of people, the same crowd of people, welcoming the God of salvation that they didn't want and that they weren't expecting, the kind of salvation they were not looking for. This Christmas, my Christmas gift from my husband Jonathan was a vinyl record of Counting Crows 19. We just got a record player, so that's exciting. But a vinyl, so he got me a vinyl record of Counting Crows 1993 album, August and Everything After. Um, a few of you might know this album. So this album is interesting because on it is a song that Adam Duritz wrote about wanting to be famous. It's called Mr. Jones. Are some of you familiar with this? Everyone's sort of 10 years younger or older than me is familiar and no one else is, knows what I'm talking about. But So in this, the song is about his desire to be famous. And he says in it the line, when everybody loves you, you're just about as happy as you can be. This was his salvation, making it, success, fame, being loved by everyone. And what's interesting is that this song made him famous. It went to number two on the Billboard Top 40. It, the band launched into arena tours and had a huge following. And a few years later, Adam Duritz, uh, the same guy who wrote that song, did the stripped-down acoustic version at a concert. It's, it can be hard to find. But he sang the same song, stripped down, and he had changed the lyrics. And so this time he's saying, when everybody loves you, you're just about as screwed up as you can be. Except he didn't say screwed up, but this is the cleaned up version of that. Duritz said in an interview two years ago that he still uh, identifies with the kid who dreams of being a rock star. But he says, I also know in my bones how that's not going to fix you. It's not going to make you never be lonely. He got everything he wanted. He got what he was singing about. And it wasn't what he needed. And it wasn't what he thought it would be. And it didn't fix him. All of us here are looking for salvation. Everyone in the world looks for salvation. 
We think that if we get that thing we really want or need, that really good thing even, that it will save us, that relationship or that particular kind of healing or that political victory or fame or success or that kind of money, we want something to fix us. And today in our gospel passage, we see a people longing for salvation. The people of God, the Israelites, had longed for salvation and they were awaiting a coming Messiah. And they saw that as a leader who would come in might and defeat Israel's enemies and set up Israel as a sovereign state. Just to be clear, they knew that salvation came from God, that they wanted God to bring them salvation in this particular way that they expected. They thought that salvation would come like it had before in the exodus from Egypt through might and through power. So they welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem like a king. It's a king's welcome. In the ancient Near East, a king would ride into town and he would be publicly hailed by cheering crowds. And there's more. He wasn't just cheered. There's the sign of submission and praise as people lay down branches, which is why we have branches this morning. For this one moment, it seems like people got it right. We got it right for a second. They were cheering for their Savior and their King. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And yet, though they welcomed a Messiah, he did not bring the kind of salvation they thought that they needed. So they rejected him. And less than a week later, would yell, crucify him. Because Jesus, their king, is not coming to Jerusalem to give them a political victory, but to die. He was riding on a donkey toward his death. This king had infinite power. He is all powerful, but he hadn't come to fight. He had, was not going to protect or deliver his people with violence. He did not ride into Jerusalem on a war horse, as a warrior king might. He came as a king who was humble, who subverted the world's trust in money and power and fame to bring salvation. Tim Keller says that in this moment, Jesus brings together majesty and weakness. Have you ever wondered why in the gospel passage we read this morning that was read to us in such a powerful way that it tells us that Judas came with crowds, with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and elders. Why a big crowd and why did they show up with what would have been the modern equivalent of guns drawn? Why? Because they thought they were coming to a fight. They thought that Jesus and his followers would fight them. This man has talked about the kingdom of God, bringing the kingdom. So how do you overthrow kings and assume the throne yourself? 
with money and with violence. And this question from Jesus we heard this morning when he says, have I come to you like a bandit that you would bring swords? This is uh, best translated in our moment as him saying, am I leading a coup, a violent guerrilla movement that you come at me with swords? Even one of Jesus' followers thought they were coming to a fight, that they were going to, this was going to be the insurrection. He was ready to bring the kingdom through violence. Peter takes out a sword and tries to likely cut off someone's head who ducks just in the nick of time and gets his ear taken off. And Jesus tells him, no, put away your sword. We are not using the world's power of violence. He was not going to bring a coup. He was the rightful king, and yet he was going to die. If he is all-powerful, why didn't he go fight and defeat the Roman power? Deliver his people politically? Because he was fighting a greater enemy. Death and sin itself. And he was bringing the only real and lasting salvation. Jesus was breaking the power of violence and death. He was taking, as Tim Keller says, our judgment day upon himself. But imagine what the disciples felt as they watched Jesus remain silent before Pilate, be tortured and hang on a cross. This is the man they had followed for years. They'd given up their livelihoods and years of their life to follow him. This was the man they thought would bring them salvation, the coming Messiah. This is the man who would defeat their enemies. They saw him calm storms and heal sick and even raise people from the dead. And he was just welcomed into Jerusalem like a king. There was a movement forming. They thought this was it. This was the Messiah that Israel had waited for for centuries. And here he is, shamed, condemned, naked, arrested without any resistance, tortured, and dying on a cross. What were they thinking and feeling? These disciples were getting everything they needed. And they didn't know it because it was not what they wanted. It was not what they were expecting. This week, um, I don't know if you guys caught it, but on Fresh Air with Terry Gross, the NPR show this week, they interviewed Bart Ehrman, who's a non-Christian scholar of religion, and he explained that the Messiah was understood as a person who would be a powerful warrior and a political figure. This was the hope of Israel. And then he says, but Jesus, on the other hand, was a crucified criminal who was executed for crimes against the state. To call Jesus the Messiah struck most Jews as completely crazy. He was a crucified criminal. He was just the opposite of what a Messiah is supposed to be. Next week, we will celebrate Easter, 
the resurrection, the rest of the story, this will come into focus. What's happening here? But don't run there too quickly. Don't get to Easter before we get there. This week, sit in this horrible tension that this was the salvation that the true king brought to his people, dying on a cross, asking God why he had forsaken him. This was not the Messiah figure that anyone wanted. This is not the salvation they expected at all. So they, in frustration and in anger, yell, crucify him. The very people who welcomed him with branches and praise wanted him dead. The Savior was not offering the kind of salvation that they wanted. So I wonder this morning, what kind of salvation are we looking for? What kind of salvation are you looking for? What kind of salvation do you want God to give you? Maybe you're like Adam Duritz, looking for salvation from something that you've gotten. And it wasn't what you thought it would be, and it didn't fix you. And there's disappointment. Are you looking to God to deliver you in a specific way, thinking, Jesus, if you are really king, you would do this in my life. This is the God we serve. He is the Messiah who brought salvation in a way that no one expected or wanted. The Israelites and the Counting Crows and most of us know that we need help. We need a Savior. But they did not know how deeply they needed deliverance. God brought them a deeper and greater deliverance and freedom and flourishing than they could even know to ask for or to imagine. God often doesn't give us the salvation we think we want. So what does he give us instead? He gives us himself. He gives us his very self, his crucified and resurrected life. This is what's on offer today. This is the God of our salvation. Today, we can take the salvation we need and that our hearts long for, or we can keep looking for the salvation we thought we wanted, we thought would make us whole. This is the mighty king who deserves all praise and yet got what we deserve, judgment. He got the judgment we deserve. May we let this king, who brought salvation in a way no one wanted or expected, befuddle us. Would we let this bewilder us? May we find salvation in him, in the place that no one expected or would have thought to have looked in the cross so this week sit in this tension look upon the salvation that looks like nothing 
we thought it might. That might look like nothing that we wanted. And that is everything that we need. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.